0: I mean, we get it, right? We've, we've done series all through the year where we've talked about the importance of Christ being king and what that looks like and, and how we're supposed to worship him. But why is it so important on this day at this time? Well, really, it started a long, long, long time ago. A really long time ago. And not this Sunday, not the Christ the King Sunday that began in the 1920s, but celebrating Christ as king It was rooted all the way back in Abraham, who knew his descendants were going to be multiples and leading the people of the world to love God. And out of Abraham's line shot up King David. And King David, on and on and on, as we saw kings that were born into this world, but then, the kings no longer were, as lands were conquered and, and people were missing, and we talked about that all throughout the Minor Prophet series that we just finished up at the end of October. And today, we find ourselves back in the temple. The very beginning of Luke, it's interesting, because you think about Luke and you think about the story of Jesus, but that's not exactly where Luke starts. Luke starts giving off this... Uh, this idea that, hey, the reason that we are here today is because we need to prove that Jesus was king. And he starts off with the story of a priest named Zechariah, who was going on and doing his priestly duties as a good Levite would. It was his week to serve in the temple, and he shows up going back into the temple and begins praying, and incense is filling the temple, and, and the people outside are waiting They're waiting on a word from the Lord. They're waiting to make sure that Zechariah hadn't sinned before he went in so that they don't have to pull him out. They're making sure that Zechariah was following after God and that he was listening to God and that he was worshiping God and helping them to worship God. Zechariah goes in and this crazy, amazing thing happens. The people are outside. He's inside. Doing the same thing that he does every time. It's his turn. Except this time, something different happens. An angel shows up. Now that's a weird thing to happen. I mean, why in the world would an angel show up at this time, at this point in his ministry? We haven't heard anything. Nothing. Complete silence for 400 years. And all of a sudden, a messenger of the Lord shows up. Zachariah had to be scared to death. He had to have been. Because the very first thing that the angel says to him is, Don't be afraid. Isn't that nice? If an angel showed up, wouldn't it be nice if he was like, hey, it's cool, we're good. Don't be afraid. This is what he told him. God has heard your prayers. What prayers? What was Zachariah praying to the Lord? For any of you that have ever struggled with infertility, you know the dire desire to have a child. And in this culture, not having a child was shameful. His wife had been disgraced. What was his prayer? The angel says, your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord, our God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts and fathers to the, of their children to him. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. And Zachariah said to the angel, That's great news! That sounds awesome. I mean, we're old, it's cool, but we can have a baby. That's not a problem. Isn't it funny when old people have babies in the Bible, that's never their response to the good news that they're going to have a baby? He's like, dude, I am old. I am an old man. My wife, she old too. We're all old. We're not going to be having any babies. How do I know this is going to be true? And the angel goes, oh, it's cool. I understand sometimes you question God. and if the, Yeah, not this time. That's fine. If you don't believe Zachariah, that's, it's not a big deal, but now you don't get to talk anymore. Usually it's the husbands who are hoping that will happen to their wives. Midnight in this passage, Zachariah comes out of the temple and the people are standing there and he's doing the sign language and he's miming and they go, oh, he must have seen a vision. Yeah, he must have. Because now he can't speak. And he goes home and and he signs and he tries to tell Elizabeth what's going on and she figures it out when she ends up pregnant very interesting in the middle of this story of Luke. Luke chapter 1 is a really long book. There's a lot of good stuff in Luke chapter 1. And uh, Mary, in the meantime, has an angel appear to her that tells her that she is going to be burying the Christ child, which we're going to be talking about in Advent in the next several weeks. When Mary shows up to see Elizabeth, the baby John jumps within her womb. And Elizabeth knows that Mary is carrying the Christ out. And you know what she says to her? She says, you are blessed because you are carrying the Messiah. No, not what she said. She said to her, you are blessed because you believed what the Lord said would be true. And here sits Zachariah, unable to speak possibly listening to these powerful words that Elizabeth is speaking into Mary's life, and he's completely mute. Why? Because Zachariah didn't believe what the Lord had promised him would be true. It's hard. It's hard living in dark and difficult places. I can't imagine how difficult it was for Zachariah to to live in this family unit where he is supposed to be helping to present the next line of priests, and he and his wife are unable to conceive. Can't imagine how difficult and dark it was to watch other people talk about Elizabeth behind her back and maybe even to her face. Well, Elizabeth must have sinned somewhere because she's not having any babies. And now he sits in the most pivotal Portion of all of time, the Messiah is finally coming. King Jesus is going to be here. And he is the man who will always be labeled as the one who didn't believe. And he's mute. But then the baby shows up. And there is John and Zachariah finds himself back in the place where this all began. There in the temple. Kissing as will you stand with me today for the reading of God's word from the book of Luke, chapter 1, beginning in verse 68. And when Zechariah could finally speak again, this is what he says. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant. The covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued. all oh, people. We have been rescued. From our enemies so that we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide us to the path of peace. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Has anyone here ever been to Alaska? Oh my goodness, there's so many people! Okay, so I have no desire to go to Alaska. Well, I have very little desire to go to Alaska, mainly because I really, really, really hate the cold, and I really, really, really hate it when it's dark a lot. And um, there, there's just something about darkness that causes me to be, tired and lethargic I did read an article this week though that says men need more or women need more sleep than men so I just want to thank Chad this morning for letting me nap often I think I'm a better person (laughs) because of it and um but I I think I would just feel tired all the time now maybe not I know lots of people who work second and third shifts and they figure it out and their body recalibrates but I don't think that would work for me I really like to sleep and I like to do it in the dark but I don't want it to be dark during my daytime stuff. I want to wake up and it be light, and I want it to be light really almost until I go to bed at night. So not really interested in living in the darkness of Alaska. But for those of you that have been to Alaska, specifically around the area of Fairbanks, or if you've ever been to Iceland, where it can be dark a lot there too, there's something amazing that happens. In Fairbanks, Alaska, winter solstice, which is the longest day of the year. I only remember when it is because it's Miles' birthday. Fairbanks, Alaska has light for three hours and 42 minutes that day. That's not enough light in my opinion. But people go. They want to go during winter solstice time to Alaska because something beautiful and amazing and magnificent magnificent happens. We know them as the Northern Lights or Aurora Borealis. So I, I printed this up mainly for, um, mainly for Gabe Knopfinger, but um, I hope the rest of you all will enjoy it too. So the Aurora Borealis, the Northern Lights, form when charged particles emit from the sun during a solar flare. They penetrate the Earth's magnetic shield and collide with atoms and molecules in our atmosphere. These collisions result in countless little bursts of light called photons, which make up the aurora. Collisions with oxygen produce red and green auroras, while nitrogen produces pink and purple colors. This reaction encircles the polar regions of the Earth and occurs at an altitude of 40 to 400 miles in a zone called the auroral oval. In other words, it's real pretty. It is. It's beautiful and fantastic. I pulled these, and I thought, maybe I do want to go visit Alaska, even when it's cold and when it's dark. I think the thing that happens is that the brightest lights are often found in the darkest places. You see, for uh, Zachariah, we found that it was the same thing. It wasn't just his personal life that was living in darkness. But it was the political realm as well. Herod was serving as king, and the man was an evil tyrant who hated the Jewish people and would do anything to discredit them. Anything. During that time, during the Roman oppression, the, um, in iniquity, there was no such thing as a day without work. So seven days a week, all week long, the Roman people went to work. It's how they believed that their empire was going to grow, how they were going to conquer the rest of the world. The Israelites, the Jewish people, believed that the most important thing to do during the week was to Sabbath, was to rest, was to spend time with God and in his word. They were considered atheists, believe it or not. They were labeled as as a group of people who did not believe in God at all because they didn't believe in the Roman gods that had been put before them. So these people who loved one true God with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength are now labeled as people who know no God. The religious and ethical oppression of these people was heavy. It was great. It was dark. And in these dark and difficult times is when Zechariah found that God's light was shining the brightest. It's amazing whenever we read this song of praise that he sings. Because I'm not even sure he really knew what he was about to say. Scripture tells us that he prophesied. The Holy Spirit came upon him. And in that very moment, he began to speak words of truth that no one expected him to speak. They had been waiting around in darkness for so long for the Messiah King to come. And at the very end, in verses 78 and 79, he says this. Because of God's tender mercy... The morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. I love that verbiage. Not just come upon us, not just stick around, not just rise, but it's about to break upon us, to give light to those who are sitting in darkness and in the shadow of death and guide us in the paths of peace. When I read those words, my heart leaps within me because I think about the darkness of life that we often find ourselves in. I want you to take a moment and just think about the last year of your life. Though this isn't the last, um, the last day of our calendar year, it is the last day of the Christian calendar. You see, even tonight as we celebrate Hanging of the Greens, we are celebrating a new year in Christ. We start with Advent, with the expectation of his birth. And so for us as a Christian people, well, today is kind of like the end of a year. We've walked through the birth of Christ and through his life. We've walked through his death and resurrection. We've walked through the coming of the Holy Spirit and the movement of God's presence on his people. We've come through a time where we've been in the Word Minor prophets were the ones that we just finished up, and now we are moving into Advent again. The year is about to start. What things cling to your mind from the last year? What memories hold prominent position? For many of us, they're not happy ones. Memories of loss and hurt, memories of brokenness and struggles. Many of you may know the story, but I'd like to share it with you today, anyways. There's a man named Horatio Spafford who was born in New York in 1928. He left New York and moved to Chicago, where he married his beautiful wife, Anna. He was raised to love the Lord. He was a Presbyterian. That's okay. We like him. And he loved, there weren't even Nazarenes back there anyway, so we'll just say that he probably would have been a Nazarene had he lived in this decade. Um, (laughs) And he was a prominent lawyer. He had a good job, made good money. He was well-known in his community, he lived out his faith well, and he and his wife lived together in Chicago, where they birthed several children. But in 1871, his entire life was transformed. That was the year of the Chicago Fires. During that year, most of all of his business and the things that he had invested in literally burnt to the ground. And he's cleaning up ash and dirt of what's left of everything that he had financially. He buries his four-year-old son who died of scarlet fever. Death, darkness surrounded him. A couple of years later, he, he loved Dwight El Moody, and, and so he, um, he followed him all around to be able to uh, find out more about the work that God was doing. And he happened to be speaking in England, and so two years later, he put his wife and his four daughters on a ship to sail them across the ocean. He was catching a, a next boat later on, and he was going to be following them over there on the Via du Havre. His wife and four daughters sailed by steam across the Atlantic Ocean. On their way, an iron sailing vessel ran into their ship, killing over 200 people, including all four of Horatio's daughters. His wife sent a telegram back to the States with two words. On Saved alone. In the deep darkness of this man's life, he gets on a boat to sail across the ocean to meet all he has left of his family, his wife. And as he sailed across the sea, he wrote something that has been transformational for us even today. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, Let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed. Is nailed to his cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. For me, be it Christ, be it Christ hence to live. If Jordan above me shall roll, no pain shall be mine, for in death as in life thou wilt whisper thy peace to my soul. And Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight. When the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. In the darkest of night, the light of God breaks through. For King Jesus has come and is coming again and today we live in that hope and in that knowing that even though this last year may have held all kinds of darkness for us the light of god has broken upon us we are not a people who live in darkness but we live in the glorious light of our god and so all of the struggles that you faced in the last year let me tell you they are not for nothing God sheds his light in the darkest of places. And you may easily be in a place where you say, I don't see a whole lot of light, Pastor Rachel. This is where I ask you to trust God's word, to trust our King. Trust his lordship in your life. You see, God has a way of making beauty from ashes. He has a way of shining his glory in the dark places of our hearts and our souls. So even today, if you're struggling with hopeless and darkness, Know that God's light is with you. That Christ the King came to reign, to love you, to shine his light upon you. And we have the glorious opportunity to praise this King Jesus for all that he has done, for all that he is doing, and all that is yet to come. Christ is King. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up, and we're going to close in a song today. And I, I just ask you to sing it from the depths of your souls. Allow your mind and your heart to land in a place where it says that Jesus is king, that he is Lord. And if that is true for you, then you should tell him. For we are no longer a people of darkness, but we are children of the light. So let us live as children of the light. This morning, the benediction comes from the book of Colossians. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience, while joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has enabled you to share in his inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Amen. You are dismissed.